we're talking about the purpose of the church. We had a series that we called The Purpose of the Church. And uh, to sum up some of what we learned real quickly, we learned in the series that the church was God's idea and that Jesus is the builder of his church. He is the head of the church. And how does he build this church? He builds it through revelation knowledge. What's revelation knowledge? Revelation knowledge is knowledge only revealed by the Spirit of God. It is not something that you can read in a book. It is not something man can teach you. It's not something that can be passed on. But it is you hearing from God directly inside you. All right, And that's how God leads or builds His church. And uh, again, Jesus is the head of His church. He's directing His church. He's providing for His church. He's securing His church. And the church is made up of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is basically all believers that believe in Jesus, that put their faith in Him. They're born-again believers. Some of our family is in heaven, and the rest of the family is here on earth. And so we have one big family. Amen. Your earthly family may not be all that big or may even be a mess from natural standards. But I'm telling you, you are part of a family that is enormous. I mean, you could go anywhere in this world virtually and meet a family member. Amen. A brother or sister in Christ. Amen. I mean, I'm telling you guys, God can speak to someone in the family to say, I need you to help this person. You think he does that? Amen? He does it all the time. He does it all the time. What we need to do is be willing to do our part. Lord, send me. Everybody say it with me. Lord, send me. I'll go. Amen? You see, when when we commit our heart to the Lord, He will use us to help other family members, to be a blessing to them. You may not know all the details, and you don't need to know all the details. Your job is simply to obey the Lord. Amen? To be a blessing, to walk in love. And uh, I could tell you story after story that I've seen in my life where I've seen just that happen. I mean, the, the Lord leaning on me to do something for someone that might be a stranger in my eyes. I don't know anything about them. I don't know any details, but he was leaning on me to do something for them. And so I would act on it most of the time. I'm not going to say I've been perfect. I mean, I've made a mistake or two and had a, had a regret or two, but I have learned this. I would rather make a mistake and do something good than not do anything at all. Amen? There's a lot of us that will hesitate because we're afraid. I'd rather do it afraid. I'd rather not miss God. And so what if I bless someone else? The Bible says, give and it will be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Amen? It'll come back to me. Well, guess what? Can I go wrong giving, even if I miss it? Can I go wrong giving? No, I can't go wrong. I can't go wrong loving people. And so, but I guarantee you, you hear God sharper than you think you do. You see, you just call that a hunch. You call that some sort of intuition. You know, I just have this feeling. (laughs) That's God speaking to you. He's touching your heart. And he's touching you on the inside. And he's, he's trying to lead you a certain direction to accomplish something. Amen? And all we need to do is say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. Amen? And I guarantee you, like I said, you can never go wrong. What we're going to talk about today is, or the title of my message is, Be the Church. Be the Church. And it's kind of along the lines of what we were just talking about. Be the Church. Now, I say this. Everybody say it with me. Be the Church. We say that, and I have heard many a message, or I've seen some things 
that kind of went into extremism. And what I mean is, is that people are always looking for the new revelation. They're looking for that new thing that's going on. And how many believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? How many believe he's not changing, right? His word's not changing. Culture changes, the world changes, but he doesn't change. His thoughts and views on certain things, they're not changing, all right? He is what he is, okay? And he will always be the same way. And so if we go to his word, we need to not look for the newfangled thing. We just need to say, Lord, show me what I need to do out of your word. Show me your word. You reveal to me your word, and I'll do it. I'll act on it. Well, when it comes to that term, be the church, many of the messages I've heard are in this new way of thinking uh, that, and I'll be honest with you, there's a certain generation that has a problem with church, that has a problem with structured organization or structured religion, so to speak. And what they're always doing is they're kind of looking for that excuse not to necessarily have to be a part of that. That they can come and go and do what they please because I am the church. I go and do good things everywhere I go. And I want to love people and I want to be a blessing. Now, that is again extremism. In other words, we need to stay in the middle of the road. Does the Bible say that we ought to go to church? It says it very clearly. If you need help with that, you come see me. Very, very clearly. We can see even in Jesus' life, he was consistent in church. So that doesn't mean we get a message that we hear, be the church, it sounds so good. Go out there and do the work of the ministry. Be Jesus to the people. You don't have to go to church to do that. Well, technically, I guess you don't, but we can't throw one thing out for another. In other words, What we need to understand is being the church is being a disciple of Jesus. That is doing what Jesus wants, being a follower of Jesus, being a Christian, doing the Word of God. And in the Word of God it says what? It talks about all these things, doesn't it? It talks about going to church. It talks about getting involved. It talks about being a blessing to people. But what we need to do is stay in the middle of the road with the Word of God. So when I say be the church, I don't mean it in an extreme way. And I'm going to show you what I mean today. I believe the Lord is going to unveil this to all of us because this is really, really important, guys. This is how we express the love of God, how we reach out to others. And so look with me real quickly. We're going to look at two main texts today that kind of give the direction, if you will, for the church generically, okay? And what I mean is this is for the church universal, these two main areas of text we're going to look at give us that direction, that purpose. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, Jesus speaking, and Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. How much? All. Everybody say all again. All. So all of our heart, all of our soul. We give Him everything. We don't hold anything back. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor. So we're to take that love of God and extend it outward towards others. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So when we say... 
What is the direction and purpose of the church? This is one of those directives. To love God with everything that we have, give Him everything, and to love others. Scriptural love, guys, when it comes to what we're reading here, is an active love. Let me say that again. Scriptural love, or the love that we're seeing here in the Word of God, is an active love. In other words, love comes from the heart and it is expressed through action. We are not to love in word only. We're not to love in word only, but in action as well. For example, God loved us so much, He gave His only Son to save us. He didn't just stop at loving us. What did He do? He did something about it, didn't He? He came to save us. Love is more than mere words, is what I'm trying to say. Like I said a moment ago, and I want to repeat this over and over, God's love in us requires expression through action, okay? It's not just saying God loves you and the Bible gives us an example, be warm, you know, be fed, kind of leave, and we're just hoping the best for you. No, what, what are we to do? We are to do something about it, right? We're not just to see a need and walk away. All right? We are to meet that need. Love is active. Love is doing something. The second text is Matthew 28. Most of you are familiar with this. We call it the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and he spoke to them, saying, Now remember, this is after he was raised from the dead. All right? This is after everything. He came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Notice that word, disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Teach who? Teach who? The disciples. Remember, what are we to go? We're to go, therefore, and what? Make disciples, right? And then here it says, teaching them, those disciples, to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Sometimes we can hear that so many times we almost become desensitized to it. We're not really stopping and thinking about the directive that Jesus is giving us. But the two main texts we gave you, you can basically base the purpose of the church in. The direction of the church is to love God with everything that we have, to love people, to go outward. And uh, let me put it this way. We're commanded by Jesus, the head of the church, to love God with all of our heart and motivated by that same love, we go out into all the world and make disciples. Let me say that again because I really want us to get this. This is not an option. This is a command for all of us. Okay, We are commanded by Jesus, the head of the church, to love God with all of our heart And motivated by that same love, we are to go out into all the world and make disciples. The thing I want to ask you this morning is, (laughs) what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? What does that mean? 
Well, if you were to look up the original Greek on that word and zero in, this is kind of what you would get, okay? A disciple is a student or learner and a committed follower of Jesus. So a disciple is a student or a learner, someone who is absorbing information, someone who is looking to someone else to teach them, okay? And they are a committed follower of Jesus. Now, Jesus is the teacher, okay? Now, I'm going to emphasize that again. Jesus is the teacher. There's no one higher than him, all right? He is the teacher. Another way of saying it, he is the master. Everybody say master. He is the master, all right? He's the master teacher, all right? He is the teacher. And a disciple is the student of the teacher. Jesus said we were to make disciples and then teach those disciples to observe, or a better word I like better, is do what he commanded them to do through his word. All right? That's what a disciple does. Let me put it this way if you want a definition. A true disciple of Jesus is a learner and a committed follower of Jesus. That's what a true disciple. So as we're going through the message today, I want every single one of us to look at our own lives. Please don't think of someone else. Even right now, some might be thinking, I know a couple people could need to hear this. you know, And that's well and good, but you need to hear it. You're the one here. All right? And the Lord gave me this for us today. All right? And so I promise you that if you will open your heart, if you will open your mind and be available for the Lord to teach you today, He will show you some things that maybe you need to adjust in your life. I know I've been kept up most of the night. Tossing and turning as I would wake up, I'd think about some of these scriptures, some of these things over and over and over and over and some adjustments in my own life. And because I want to be the disciple of Jesus, I want to be a true disciple, all right, on what he considers a true disciple. So again, a true disciple of Jesus is a learner and a committed follower of of Jesus. Now Jesus was very clear in his teachings that we should be doers of God's word and not hearers. Remember the story where he talked about those who build their life on the sand versus the rock. Remember he was talking about his word and what was he talking about in his word? Being a doer of his word, not just a hearer. The hearer is going to cave in. The hearer is not going to walk in everything that is available to them. They're going to basically be washed out is what he said. They're not going to survive the storms of life if they're not a doer. But a doer was what? One that would not only survive the storm, but they'd be the better for it. And so Jesus emphasized clearly in Scripture not just to be a doer, not just to, not just to say with, the, with words, I love you, Lord, but show with your actions, show with your life. He was big on that, all right? He was big on that, being a doer of the Word. In other words, we have a heart for the Lord, but it is expressed throughout our life. So therefore, a true disciple of Jesus puts into action in his life what he learns from God and his word. 
all right? He takes seriously the Word of God. He takes seriously doing the Word. Why? He is not only a student and a learner of His Word, but what is he? He's a committed follower of His Word. He's a committed follower of the Lord. As a disciple or student of Jesus, all of us must be willing to learn and follow the same ways that Jesus demonstrated throughout his life. When you look at Jesus' life, when you study him in the Word of God, specifically through the Gospels, you see certain things and how he handled himself. For example, when uh, opportunity came, he said that I came what? Not to be served, but what? To serve. In other words, he laid down his life as a pattern for you and I. He never chose himself. He never went the comfortable way. Remember when there was a young man that said he wanted to go with him and he said the son of man has nowhere to what? Lay his head tonight. In other words, they didn't have motels everywhere, guys. And they didn't just whip out the MasterCard and say, hey, let's just call ahead and get it a you know, get a room over at the wherever, you know. They didn't have that kind of thing. And so Jesus wasn't saying he was broke. He wasn't saying he's poor. He's just saying, I got nowhere to to sleep tonight. There's no room in the inn. There's no place to go. So we're just going to sleep out here. What he was saying is that sometimes he had to take the uncomfortable route. It wasn't about him. Think about Jesus for a moment. The quantity of people that would approach Jesus we would be mind-blown if you did the math. I mean, he would wake up in the morning sometimes and approach a certain area or land on a certain beach or come down from the mountain after spending some time with the Lord. And by the way, why do you think he got up a great while before dawn and hid himself? Because that would be the only opportunity he ever had to just fellowship with the Lord. How do you think he had what he needed to go out and minister to everybody else? It would have drove him insane if he never got to spend some time with the Lord. But he would, he would get off, the Bible says, a great while before the sun rose. And he would go hide and he would go somewhere and just spend time with his father. Spend time in the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. That's, he's doing exactly what he asks us to do. Now, when he would come down, sometimes crowds of people, thousands of people, tens of thousands of people would bombard him. Can you imagine how tired sometimes his arms were just laying hands on people? You know, how many of you know Oral Roberts? I mean, since passed away, but raise your hand if you know Oral Roberts, okay? Did you know that he has laid hands on so many people he's actually had to have these areas in his body several times replaced? Just from doing that over and over and over and over. <laughs> he literally wore these sockets out. I mean, think about Jesus. I mean, it never ended, it seemed like. And then what would the disciples say? Lord, send them away. We need to eat. Send them away. We need to get some rest. And he'd say, no, feed them. Help them. How many believe Jesus wasn't too selfish, was he? He was always willing to go the extra mile. In fact, what did he tell us? When someone asks you to go one mile, what do you do? You go two. See, a lot of times, though, we live in an America where we get to vote. And we get to choose. And sometimes we bring that, that thinking into the church. We bring that thinking that we get a choice. <laughs> that we get to choose. You know, How many here, be honest with me, how many here got to choose your earthly parents? Please tell me now. You mean no one got to choose them? But yet people think they get to choose their pastor. They get to choose their church. Well, I thought 
that Jesus was Lord and head of the church. And he was directing where he wanted things. Do you see that? Are you guys? You don't get to choose. <laughs> Your job is to what? Hear and obey. Hear and obey. But some people think they, they shop for a church like it's, it's going to Walmart and choosing what kind of whatever I want. You know, like what kind of, you know, there's several different brands of the same thing to choose from. Go to Best Buy and there's all these TVs everywhere. And I, whether I want LG or Sony or Samsung or whatever, we pick in the body of Christ like, oh, I know I'm going to go to Rama and I'm going to go ahead and sign up. I feel like I'm, I should be a pastor, so I'm going to sign up for the pastor's class. But see, no one spent any time on their knees from the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the head of the church, and said, what do you want me to do, Lord? Where do you have for me? Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Instead, they just pick and choose. That's good preaching, isn't it? Listen to me, guys. Je- say it with me. Jesus is head of the church. He is my Lord. And if he's my Lord, then I go to him. All right? No man is your Lord. He is your Lord, and you go to Him, and He will direct your path. He will move you where He wants you to be. Amen? The problem is there's a lot of people, (laughs) there's a lot of people that belong in a place like this that aren't here. They need someone, they need a church like this to get their act straightened out and to get some things fixed in their life. Instead, what they want to do is they go hide somewhere that no one will notice them so they can still play patty cake, and after all, I can feel good about myself because I went. But no life change. See, they wonder why, oh God, why, won't, why, why are my marriages failing? Why every time this happens? Why, why won't this happen? Why is this thing a mess? Well, because you're not where I need you to be, son. You're not learning what I need you to learn to get that fixed. You don't have someone in your life that's, that's preaching the, the Word of God like it should be preached. That doesn't mean that, that we're everything for everybody. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, there's a lot of preachers, a lot of places all over. That's what the body of Christ is all about. The local church broken down, and God has, listen, He has this puzzle over here, and this puzzle over here, and this puzzle over here, and this puzzle piece doesn't fit over here. And this puzzle piece doesn't belong over here. But if everybody would be where they should be, I guarantee you there would be no needs in the church. If everybody would just obey the Lord, if everybody would would hear messages like this and and get on their knees, get on their face and seek the Lord. Amen? (laughs) I know it's not, it's, woo, pastor, you're eating my lunch. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm giving you the Word of God. Amen. Do you guys want anything else? Amen. (laughs) I want to give you guys what the Lord gave me. So let's look a little bit more at a disciple. A disciple, again, must be willing to learn and follow the same ways that Jesus demonstrated throughout his life. A disciple chooses to love others as Jesus loves them. A disciple seeks first the kingdom of God. He or she develops a personal fellowship with the Lord that is vitally important. In other words, from their heart they seek to please God, to bear much fruit. In other words, to be more like Jesus every day. Do you realize that's your goal in life? Your goal in life is to become more and more Christ-like every single day. Amen? 
Now, a disciple makes a choice to learn, and I'm going to give you three main areas, okay? And, and again, oh my gosh, we could teach weeks on this, guys, weeks on this, but I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of summing things down this morning real quickly. A disciple makes a choice to learn that his or her life becomes completely centered on Jesus and His Word. You've heard me say it this way. Um, you know how we have the earth, and of course the moon orbits around the earth. Well, what we need to do is have Jesus in the center of our life, and everything in our life orbits around Jesus. Every decision we make, every choice we make, everything that we do centers or orbits around Him. We don't make decisions. We don't decide to defect, so to speak. We always go back to Him. What does His Word say? All right? A scripture that I want you to see here is John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, everybody say, I believe Him. All right, now everybody do it. Ready? Say, I believe in Him. Amen. Now, it's, what did Jesus say? If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So what is a disciple? A person who lives in the word of God. Remember, what does that word abide mean? Abide doesn't mean I visit occasionally. Abide doesn't mean it's once in a while. Abide means what? Abide. I live there. I'm getting my mail there. I, I'm there all the time. So what is he saying? If you live in my word, if you live in my word, you live by my word. What my word says, that's what you do. What does he say? You are my disciples indeed. So the question we should be asking ourselves is, how much of God's word am I actually living by? Am I actually making decisions by? That's how we can determine where we're at. A disciple of Jesus Christ chooses willingly to obey his commandments, his word. John fourteen twenty one says, He who has my commandments, this is Jesus speaking, by the way, he who has my commandments and keeps them. In other words, the person who does them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So in other words, if we love the Lord, if we're honoring the Lord with our life, what are we doing? We're doers of his word. We're seeking his word and what we can learn. Remember, what is a disciple? A disciple is a student, a learner of his word, and then does it. He's a committed follower of his word. And then lastly here, the disciple that learns to love like Jesus loves will be identified as disciples of Jesus. Now, what did we say about love? Love is an action, right? Love is an active thing in our life. We're doing something with that love. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now look what it says. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So in other words, as we're doing these things, the fact that we are a committed follower of Jesus begins to stand out. And there's a difference, listen, there is a difference between a believer in Jesus and a committed follower in Jesus. Big, big difference between the two. Let's answer that now. We've been talking about a disciple, and I think I gave you a pretty good idea of what a disciple is, but what's the difference between a Christian and a disciple? 
See, a lot of people automatically assume, well, aren't they the same? I mean, isn't it all? Well, the terms disciple and Christian are related, but they're not synonymous. They're not the same thing, okay? But they're similar in some things. Remember, a disciple is someone who is a student and a committed follower of Jesus. In other words, they are actively living for God by acting on His Word. Let me take it one other level with a disciple. Being a disciple of Jesus, I want everybody listening close to this. Being a disciple of Jesus takes a total commitment to Jesus and requires everything from them. Everything. And see, a lot of us right there, well, yes, that's me, praise God. I've given everything to the Lord. I would give him everything. Would you? What if he told you to give up your job and follow him? Would you do it? Would you walk away from things? If he told you to move away from your family, would you do it? See, it's easy for us to say things. It's another thing to do them, okay? It's easy. And see, what if, you say, what if? Well, I'll, I guess I'll just have to deal with it when that comes. Well, see, if you have that attitude, I promise you won't make the right decision. But see, a disciple makes the decision, my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. And I owe my life to the Lord Jesus, so whatever he wants me to do, he'll do. Now, can we trust him? Would he ever lead us astray? Would he ever lead us to the poorhouse? Do you remember the young man who said, Lord, I've done all, I've kept everything. What else must I do? And remember what the Lord told him? He said, now listen, he was a rich man. Okay, Everybody say rich man. He was a rich man, and he loved the Lord, and he did obey the commandments. He did what he knew from the commandments. And the Lord said, well, there's one thing you lack. Sell all that you have and come follow me. (laughs) Now, right there, somebody might say, well, that's asking a lot. Well, now, stop and think about it for a moment. Would the Lord make him broker or richer? It might look like you're giving up some stuff, but didn't he say those that gave everything to follow him received a hundredfold in this lifetime? In what? Lands. Remember? Houses. Every family. Everything. In this life. Everybody say this lifetime. He didn't say in heaven. Now it might look like you're giving up everything, but here's the problem with the young man. Do you believe he loved the Lord? I believe he loved the Lord, but not as much as he loved his money. He loved his money more. And that's why he, he, the Bible says he went away troubled. Why was he troubled? Because, Lord, you asked more than I could give you. You asked more. And see, it's so easy for us to say, Lord, I'll do anything. Well, that's because he hasn't asked yet. But what if he does ask? What if he does ask for everything? Would you be willing to lay it down? The reality you need to understand is and put things in their proper perspective. Do you really own anything? (laughs) Who really owns it all? Who are you? You're just a temporary steward of his stuff. How many believe you came into this world naked? How many would say amen to that? Now, how are you going to leave? Naked. (laughs) With nothing. You're not taking anything with you. So put things in this world, put the things you desire in their proper perspective. I can enjoy them, 
But if they get between me and God, it's gone. I will do whatever you tell me to do. How many believe the Lord would do at any length it took to save you? He did. He took whatever was the cost. It didn't matter what it was. He would do it. But see, a lot of the times when you flip that around, we don't look at it the same way back to him. And so remember, when I say being a disciple of Jesus takes a total commitment to Jesus and requires everything from them, Jesus said it himself, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Meaning, whatever it takes. Everybody say, whatever it takes. Whatever he asks. Whatever he desires of me. Now, a lot of people have this fear that the moment I relent and I do this, God's going to ask it all of me. That's fear. Does God operate by fear? No, he doesn't. But there's a lot of people that are so afraid to, if I give God everything, if I really let loose and I let him have access to everything, then he'll all of a sudden ask for everything from me. That's a taskmaster, not a good God. But if he does ask, and he says, Ken, I need your house. You almost got it paid off. I want you to finish it. I need it. <laughs> what do I do? Now, I might struggle. I might, I might Lord, are you sure? I might, <laughs> I, might, I might go to him back and forth in prayer to make sure I'm hearing him. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, and I will declare this for anybody, if he asks of me, I will give it to him. If he asks of me, I will give it to you. As long as I know it's him, and I'm 100% confident that I know he's telling me that I'm going to give it to him. And somebody might say, dear Lord, I mean, that's your home. Well, who's my provider, that home or the Lord Jesus? Do you really think he's, he said give and what? It would be given back to you, what? Pressed down, shaken together, running. You can't go wrong giving him everything. You can't go wrong. It might look like, wow, I'm heading into disaster. But no, you are heading into the blessing of God. I mean, I remember my old pastor, when he left Ohio to come out here to go to Bible school, he said he left a home that I believe that they had built. Beautiful home, beautiful property, just the way he wanted it. You know, picture perfect. Everything was life was good. And he's got a house full of kids and and he's got the good job that pays well. In other words, he finally got to where everything is good, but he's not happy. The Lord's calling him and directing him to go somewhere else. So he sold everything all the way down to a little four by eight U-Haul trailer that he's dragging in his clunky car out here. And all he's got is clothes and a washer and dryer and his five kids. Wife not happy and none of the kids are. And he's driving down the road, but this is what the Lord spoke to him. I'm paraphrasing, okay? I I believe he said, he said, it it looks like you've given it all, like you've, you've given it up. But he said, now you've gained everything. See, why? Because the Lord asked of him and he gave you can't outgive God. And between that time and this, the man has been used by God to give millions of dollars in the gospel. Millions over the period of years. That never would have happened if he wouldn't have followed the Lord. I wouldn't have been here. 
Many, many, many thousands of ministers, people that he's touched and influenced, wouldn't have been there. I remember one time we got somehow, he's never been in China, and somehow some of his tapes got to China. And he was getting information from China and how it was blessing people and reaching. (laughs) You have no idea what the Lord could do with you until you just give everything to him. That's a disciple. That's someone that he can use and fashion and form just as he wants to. I'm telling you guys, that's good. So Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now the term Christian, it was first introduced in the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 26, if you want to write that down. And it says the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, Jesus never used the term Christian, believe it or not. You won't find it, all right? The term Christian is actually only used a couple, three times in the Bible. It's not a frequent word. And when we consider that, um, the term Christian, they didn't really use that term in referring to themselves. They used terms like, most of you would be familiar with disciples, saints, brothers, sisters. Those are the terms that the church used among themselves. Um, Jesus never used the term. The name Christian, we would normally mean to belonging to Christ, okay? It appears most likely that it was invented by those outside of the church, not in the church. And it was probably meant as a very derogatory term, oh, those Christians, In other words, it wasn't a good thing back then to be labeled as a a Christian in a sense that you might be bold about it, but what I'm trying to say, it was meant probably as a derogatory term. Over the centuries, the term Christian has changed, though. Now, when I think of the word Christian and you think of the word Christian, we normally think now in this time, uh, we think of someone who has placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we think of as a Christian. Now, let me make a statement real quickly. Everybody say, I'm listening. This is important. A true Christian, and not one in name only, will also be a disciple of Christ. In other words, a Christian can believe in Jesus. A disciple gave everything up and followed Jesus. A Christian may believe God's word is true and authentic and has power. A disciple experiences it. Do you see the difference there? A Christian may love the Lord, but the disciple proves they love the Lord. Do you see the difference? There is a difference there. But if we blend them, we consider a Christian right now what it should be is a person who has counted the cost of following the Lord and has totally committed his life to Jesus. In other words, he accepts the call to sacrifice and follows the Lord wherever he leads. That's like that song that we were singing earlier. That's why I wanted you to sing it, and I might do it one more time. Because the song was expressing some of this outwardly. The disciple completely, listen, the disciple completely lives his or her life by the teachings of Jesus and makes Jesus the number one priority and lives accordingly. A disciple is actively involved in making other disciples, producing. A true Christian is a believer in Christ that has new life through the indwelling Spirit of God. 
because they believe in Christ, a Christian will also be an obedient disciple, or should be. Paul the Apostle best describes the reality and seriousness of taking up one's cross and following the Lord in this, Galatians 2.20. Look here, most of you are familiar. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's read it again. I want all of you to be looking at that. Is it up there? Okay. Look at it with me as we read it. I, you, have been crucified with Christ. So put yourself in there. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh on this earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen to me. Say this with me. My life is not my own. Your life is not your own. Your life belongs to Him. He paid for it. And so our job is to give Him our life. A true disciple of Jesus takes very seriously being a doer of God's Word, maintaining their fellowship with the Lord. In other words, they literally live their life for the Lord. Their life is, the Lord is everything in their life. They make their decisions by running and by Him. So many Christians that I, I talk with and I see failures in their life or mistakes in their life. Everybody makes mistakes and failures. But when I see them repetitive, what it tells me is you're not involving the Lord in those decisions. You're not going to Him because He'll never lead you the wrong way. He'll always lead you towards blessing. He'll always lead you towards when you obey Him, even though it seems contrary to everything in the world, when you go that way, blessing is on the way. You can't separate the two. You can't walk with God and be broke. If someone's broke, they're not walking with God in some area in their life. Listen to me. Say this with me. Say, I am a child of the King. Do King's kids, are they broke? No, everything's provided for them, right? All they got to do is what? Be a good child of the king, obey, do what they're told, make their bed, so to speak, in life, right? And you're going to be okay. Everything's okay. Like like Larry was talking about, he should have bragged about it more. He shouldn't have gone out in the truck and just kind of, you know, I didn't want to be a spectacle. If they would ask, I said, yep, Jesus made a way for me to get in. And be bold about it. Why? It's an opportunity to witness. Yeah, I have favor. You know, Jesus gave it to me. Do you think that favor was natural or was that supernatural? That was super. They weren't doing it for everybody else. They're all waiting in the lot, but he's the only one. (laughs) Amen? Right? Listen to me, guys. We should be walking around expecting supernatural things happening all the time. Always expecting favor. I, am, I live that way. I, in fact, I, I wonder, when I don't have favor, I wonder, this, this might not be the Lord. <laughs> because I'm not, if something is hard for me, what I mean is I'm heading a direction I believe the Lord has for me, and I'm going that direction, and things aren't working out like they should. After a while, I'm going to question, am I going the right direction, or is the devil giving me a hassle? Because I always have favor. And when I don't have favor, I, I, I scratch my head because I always have favor. I don't hear no's, guys. I don't hear that in life. I don't hear, oh, we can't do that in life. I always hear, well, we can always make an exception. 
We can always do that. Yes, that's what I want to hear. Amen. I have favor everywhere I go. I expect it. I expect to see it. I only talk favor. I never talk negative. I'm not going to say, well, you know, everywhere I go, it never works out. No, I'm not saying that kind of nonsense. I say everywhere I go, I always have favor. Always have favor. Always have favor. You begin to say that 10 or 10,000, 20,000 times in your lifetime, what are you going to start expecting? Favor. Why? I got faith and confidence in what I say. And I've been saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. I expect it. Amen? Listen to me. Let's switch the message real quickly. Okay, wrap it around. Everybody still with me? All right. Now listen, what we're talking about today is being the church. That's being the church. Being the church is being a living example of love. In other words, you and I individually and corporately can be the church all the time, everywhere we go, in everything we do. How do we do that? By being a disciple of the Lord Jesus. How will people know that we're disciples? By our love for one another. Well, what is love? Are they going to hear us say that? And that's good enough? No, they're going to witness it. They're going to see it in our lives. There's something different about that bunch. There's something different about them. They're caring and giving and loving and, and they, they, they forgive one another and they help one another. They do things. Well, I want to encourage you in your life. Be the church everywhere you go. You don't need to be here to be the church. Be that church everywhere. You see, you've heard this expression. It's an overused phrase, but you've heard this. You may be the only Jesus anybody ever sees, but there's so much truth to that. Say it with me. Say, I am the church. Say it again. I am the church. Say it one more time. I am the church. You are the church. I'm saying be the church. Be the disciple the Lord has called you to be. And that means what? What is a disciple? A student learner of the Word of God and a committed follower to do that, to obey Him, to do what He said in His Word and how He leads you in His Spirit. And just do what He said to do. What did He say to do? Now He gave us what? He said, go, remember? He said, love God with everything that you are, right? So do we love God with our checkbooks? Yes, Pastor. We love, we love God with our checkbooks. We love God with our cars. We love God with our words. We love God with our thoughts. We love God with all of our heart. We love God with our church. We love God with everything that we have. And then we take that love and we go and share it with others. And we go make disciples. We go into all the world. Well, some of you may never be called personally to go to Africa or Japan or Germany. But you know what? What's your world? That's what Or Roberts used to say. Every man's world. You all have a world that you live in, that you touch, that you influence. Around you, your neighbors, your friends, your people you work with, you shop with, family. Those are your world. Then go share the gospel with them. Well, how many of you know when you do something in love, in a gift form, doesn't that open a lot of doors? Proverbs has a lot to say about that. You know? It opens lots of doors, and you do it motivated by the love of God. And then, and then you pray, Lord, give me opportunities to share. Give me opportunities. And God will all of a sudden set you up in a conversation, and they're asking you something. Maybe they're going through a difficulty in life, and you say, well, can I pray for you? Jesus can help you with that. 
and you be bold about it and let him get involved in their life. And all of a sudden, they'd say, well, where did you learn some of this stuff? Well, come out. I'll, I'll, I'll bring you out there. You know, I'll pick you up. And see, that opens an opportunity. How many believe there's people in this town need to hear the good news? They need to be set free. There's nursing homes, guys, that are full of sick people. Well, guess what? The word works. And you say, well, sometimes they're just sitting there and they don't even know what's going on. Well, then pray for them anyway. The Bible said, lay hands on the sick and they will what? Recover. Didn't say anything about them believing. It said about you doing. Let God be God. Just bless people. Touch people. Amen. Be a blessing. This year, when it comes to that Christmas thing, we're going to do some things as a church in general and support us some things locally. But the fact is what the Lord has been leading me. And when he brought it up, I'm like, that's it. We need to be the church. Amen. So you pray and ask the Lord the same process we would do. Lord, who do you want to bless? Now, maybe, guys, it's not a gift basket. Maybe it's a gift card. Maybe it's you doing something special for them. But ask the Lord, Lord, who do you want me to bless in my life? And you say, well, I don't have the extra cash. The Lord will take care of that. You just be patient. You know what I'm saying? You do your part and you start making steps. He will provide whatever it is that you need. Some things, guys, you can just be a blessing. Maybe you know someone that needs a little work or something adjusted or fixed or, you know, just little things it can be a great blessing amen this is being the church is what we're talking about love acts we are co-laborers with god go ahead and stand up with me jesus is the head of the church the body of christ and he's leading providing and directing his body to do the work he's called us to to reach the world to make disciples you know i was thinking about this we're to replicate ourselves to reach and teach others the good news of Jesus. We're to witness of Jesus in our lives. We're to pray and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We're to share God's word with others. We're to support the gospel being preached. Consider what you were taught today between what we talked about, the difference between a Christian and a disciple. No longer just be satisfied in some areas of your life being a Christian. And let's take it to the next level. And that's disciple. You notice the word is close to discipline, isn't it? And really that's part of what it is. A disciple is a disciplined follower. In other words, they're disciplining their life according to the word of God. And sometimes it looks hard, but you can do it. Amen. Say, I can do do all all things through Christ who strengthens me.